Welcome to the Impact Community Podcast, a conversation between pastors and church leaders. Whether you're a seasoned pastor or just a church planner trying to figure things out, none of us were meant to do ministry alone. That's why we have community, community that makes an impact. Welcome to the conversation. Let's talk. So we'll give a couple people a, a minute to, to get on here. We're going to do something a little bit different today. I'm we're pretty excited about. It. We're gonna have a little, a little, a little team teaching, a uh, a panel of sorts with a few people, and uh, as as people are getting on here, I do want you to know, and I'll repeat this a few times, uh, but I do want you to know that we do now have an Impact Community podcast. Uh, so if you are wanting to, yeah, that's very exciting. And so if you have been on here and caught any of the great ones. I know, I think Aaron Soto from three weeks ago is now on the Impact Community Podcast. Uh, Tim Gaddy will be posted here soon. So uh, if you're looking to go back and check anything out, the podcast is now live. Uh, thanks to our good friend, Paul Price, which we're excited about. And so uh, today's going to be an amazing, amazing day. I'm really excited about it. And if we have not got to meet, by the way, uh, I'm Jamil McLaurin, serve on the Impact Team and, and a church planner up in uh, Detroit metro area. And I'm just facilitating the day. But welcome, everybody. Trent Hampton, it's the first time I haven't met you in person, but the first time I've seen you without a hat on. And, uh, you know, and you're looking good. I got to get in the gym with you, man. I'll tell you what, that's all I know. And uh, so, hey, we'll, we'll open up in prayer in just a second. And... Uh, uh, brother, brother, uh, brother Dylan, if you could, if you could open us up in prayer, mm -hmm. I, I like to hear you pray, to be honest with you. So if I'm ever facilitating, I'm probably going to pick on you a lot because I just like hearing you pray. But, uh, uh, and then we'll, we'll jump in. I'll give a little more detail, but let's open up in prayer. And then we're actually going to have uh, a discussion today. I want to get him ready about finance uh, and buildings. Of course, a lot of us are trying to decide about going back into buildings. Uh, you know, I know some church planners, I see Paul Records on here, who rent facilities, and uh, we're trying to navigate and figure out what that looks like. Of course, churches on here that already have buildings, trying to navigate that conversation. And we're also going to talk about finance today. Um, you know, obviously, we are, all of us are trying to reallocate funds uh, right now to make sure it's matching the season of COVID-19. And, uh, and so we'll, those would be two of the main headers we'll be talking about today. It will be really collaborative. Uh, you know, different people will pitch in on this. Uh, and we may touch on a few other subjects, but that's, that's a little chunk of it. And uh, I got to say this, I'm sorry, but there's the superstar church planner that I'm going to say every time, Taylor Fairbanks, on everybody. And, uh, and so, Brother Dylan, would you pray for us? And then we'll, uh, we'll start pointing people out. Absolutely. Lord, in the name of Jesus, that precious name by which we're saved, I pray for everybody that's on this call today that by your spirit, you would allow to be imparted into us those things that we desperately need. God, you know exactly where we're at. You know what we're facing. God, you know what we have need of. I pray today in your name, let those who communicate, God, let it be straight to us. Let it be the words we need to hear. We open our spirit to you. We ask you to direct us. God, even when we don't know that you are directing us and let it be for your glory, let it be for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it. Amen, amen. So um, we do have a few people that are going to facilitate today. Uh, we've got a few that are a few people that are missing, definitely keep, by the way, Paul Price in prayer, his wife's in surgery this morning, and we've got a few deaths and families and some things going on, but uh, we do have Jay Carney, uh, who is on here today, and uh, he's, of course, he no, needs no introduction. Y'all know he's one of the best leaders that you can get out there, and uh, he's going to get us started today. I do have to say this because nobody ever says this. But uh, Jay Carney is a, a great pastor and also my favorite leadership speaker in the movement. And so I'm really excited what he's going to share today. And then we've got David McGovern's going to share some things with us as well. And so, Brother Jay, if you can hear me, if you can go ahead and, and jump on. And we'd love to hear what your, what your thoughts on on the subjects of, of uh, building and finance and whatever else you feel led. Uh, thank you, Jamil. It's an honor to be here. Thank you, Brother Dylan, for that prayer. And good to see each of you on the phone today. And uh, 
I haven't met you, I certainly uh, look forward to meeting you. Uh, I'm known in many circles as Jaron's brother, but it's an opportunity to speak to you today. Uh, I pastor uh, in Tupelo, Mississippi, and I have been here three years. And um, we moved here January the 1st of 2017. And uh, before that, we were part of Woodlawn our entire lives. But, uh, you know, uh, I think everyone is sort of wondering what to do and how to do it. And uh, one word that comes to mind for all of us is uncertainty. And, um, you know, I, I was thinking, and most of you heard this, but the, the Chinese word for crisis is made up of, of two words, one being danger and the other being opportunity. And, um, you know, the question I'm asking uh, myself and our team is, is what's the future of our church or the church going to be like really? And, uh, you know, I was challenged, uh, I was honored to serve, uh, I'm on the Tupelo Economic Recovery Task Force of trying to figure out how do we move forward, but I was trying to connect with, I'm the only pastor on the committee, but I was connecting with the local pastor of First Baptist Church, and he asked me this question uh, last week, and it certainly struck me, and some of you might have seen this or read it, but are we as churches uh, behaving like malls in the age of Amazon, just hoping uh, for shoppers to return? And, you know, the bad news is I think we possibly are. And, um, you know, one thing that I've said just recently, it's, it's not what you do when you know what to do that matters, but it's what you do when you don't know what to do. And, you know, I think this sums up, guys, uh, how people are responding and reacting during this pandemic. Um, none of us, no matter if you're an established church like I'm in, or you're in a church plant like Jamil and many of you are, we've never been here before and we don't know what to do. And many times, you know, when we don't know what to do, we tend to become, uh, reactive and, um, certainly, uh, as a church, I didn't want to be the first one to open up and I don't want to be the last one to open up. Uh, I have to do what God is calling us to do here at Life at Tupelo, and you have to do what you feel God is calling you to do um, in in your particular situation. And so, you know, at the outset today, um, I think maybe it's okay to just stop and take a deep breath and be okay with uncertainty. It's okay to be uncertain. Um, and you know, we just, during the season, just need to continue to be wise as, you know, as we choose, uh, as we, you know, make choices, uh, when you don't know what to do. And I think now more than ever, I understand the importance of uh, James chapter one and verse three, this is knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. I was looking at other translations, uh, that state that the testing or the proving of your faith produces endurance or produces perseverance. So I think during this season, one big takeaway that I'm trying to uh, ascertain and as the church, as our church life at Tupelo, we, we're just, we're stop asking when will we get out of this? And we've started asking ourselves, what will we get out of this? You know, I, I'm glad that the Bible includes uh, uh, Joseph's pit and Daniel's den and uh, John's island of Patmos. I'm speaking on that tonight, but you and I can make it. And we wonder, you know, sometimes uh, the shadows that we're facing, the uncertainty, it's not meant to scare us, but it's meant to remind us that the, the sun is still shining and God is still faithful and God will see us through. And uh, I think the shadow just proves the sunshine. And um, I pray for each of you that we will just make the best out of a bad situation. Another scripture I'm reminded of this morning is 1 Corinthians 16 and 13. It says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. And so, you know, concerning our building and our finances, uh, 
you know, let this crisis today uh, be a cradle for innovation. Um, many of you might not know, but I served in the business world my whole life, practically. I started when I was 12 and uh, served at the same organization for 33 years. And um, we had a saying that we should never let a crisis go to waste. Never let a crisis go to waste. And, um, you know, we all have teams in most departments, and I've sort of uh, labeled them A, B, C, and D uh, during this season and trying to assess our team. Uh, number one is, you know, uh, people that are mission-minded and adding value. I'm going to keep them in that role. You got people that are mission-minded but not adding value. I'm going to continue to keep them for a season and work with them to help them add value. And then you got people that are not mission-minded and not adding value. This is a time to uh, assign them somewhere else or find someone to take their place. And then the toughest one is D, is those that are not mission-minded and adding a little value. Those are tough decisions, but if they're not mission-minded and they're not loyal, this is certainly a, a time for a transition for them too. And so um, I'll say this, no one should be able to out-relationship the local church. And so during this season, um, God has called us for such a time as this. Yes. Um, and, you know, now more than ever before, we've got to get back to the first two commandments of loving God and loving people. And uh, I'm challenging our team uh, daily is, you know, who are you preparing to take your place in your leadership position and who are you working on as a disciple? Um, and so during this, this time, you know, coming from the business world, a crisis doesn't create failure, it, it accelerates it. And a crisis doesn't create momentum, it accelerates that momentum that was already there. And so God has called you to lead. Um, and we've got all these external conditions coming against us, uh, but they don't make or break an organization. It's leadership that makes or breaks an organization. And so I challenge each of us. God has called us for such a time as this. He's called us to lead. So I encourage you today, lead on. Do what's best for you and your church. Pray, seek the mind of God. You do what's best that you feel is for your church. And, you know, we've had some friends that's gone back already and, you know, people are putting pressure on me. You know, right now our intentions is to go back uh, the 31st uh, to some degree. That's what we're doing. So we have to do what's best for us. Um, and I encourage you, hey, do what's best for you. If you went back already, hey, God bless you. Do, do what God's called you to do. Um, we're on the same team. We're not being, uh, you know, we're not competitors. And, uh, uh, and so I just uh, uh, encourage you to lean on. Um, I think the problem um, two months into this crisis is that you and I basically, uh, we pretty much all of us have reacted, but we really haven't innovated yet. Not too many of us have. And so today we must further rethink our methods and, and when we do, we will further, I believe, advance our mission. And, uh, you know, uh, for us in particular, our last service was March the 15th and that Sunday night we ordered video equipment and uh, the next day it wasn't available. And, you know, never let a crisis go to waste. You know, I think going forward, guys, the future, Certainly, I want people to come back to church tomorrow, but I believe the future is both physical, but it's also digital. And uh, we're trying to figure this out. We don't know what that means. Uh, I heard one, someone say the other day, you know, we've got all these clicks, uh, but clicks lead to bricks. Um, you know, a lot of folks like Amazon and different folks have, have been online for a while, but with those clicks, now they're having you know, in-person places. And so we got to do our best to meet both needs. And so um, hopefully that maybe gives you some direction in reference to finances and, and, and buildings. Uh, if there's things that need to be cut, now's the time to cut them, uh, to alleviate, to el eliminate them. Um, and so 
Um, that's how we sort of been adjusting our budgets and also um, having a plan of going back in the building that we can communicate to our people. And so uh, I encourage each of you do what's best for you. Do what you feel like God has called you to do. Yeah. Wow. Uh, phenomenal. 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 I have uh, a full page of notes here. And that's why Jay Carney is my favorite leadership speaker in the movement. So great stuff. I do have a quick follow-up question. I, I know you touched on it. I just wanted to uh, throw it out to you. You know, is there any, any general on, on the finance part? Is there any generalities? I know you said cut. Is there anything that you're investing in now that you weren't investing in before? I know, we're, I know everybody needs to make cuts, but is there anything that you're transitioning towards? Absolutely. We are, we're invest, investing digitally. Um, you know, we've spent uh, $15,000 since this thing started because we think we should have a great physical presence when we're able to open up. But we think not only now, but going forward, we should have a great digital presence. And so not only investing in equipment, but also investing in my team of helping them uh, you know, uh, it's all about the team that you have. If this thing depended on me, I would be an utter failure right now. But I'm investing in our key um, leadership team from a digital standpoint. And so, uh, yes, that's what we have focused on, Jamil, uh, greatly in the last uh, eight weeks. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a great, um, just a great thought that, you know, Yes, we got to make some cuts, but this is a great opportunity for innovation, great opportunity for us to move forward. I like your crisis quote at the beginning. And, and if we have not been waking up to the fact that we need to take digital serious, uh, I'm the one we will. So thank you for sharing that. That's great stuff. And uh, we've also got um, Brother David McGovern, who's obviously coming from a different standpoint as a, as a I, I can't call you a church planner anymore. You're, you're a church builder. I heard that phrase last week. I think you said that. I like that. A, a church builder in Los Angeles who's planting multiple churches and and uh, doing it, but he's got a great, great church out there already. No no introduction needed, obviously. But uh, Brother McGovern, what what are your thoughts on on this subject? And, and, uh, and of course, we'll have some follow-up questions, but just want to give you a chance to kind of weigh in from the, the uh, maybe a, a opposite end, not from a established church versus not, but maybe a, a, a newer church, a, you know, church plant versus him, a generational church. So go ahead. Yeah. yeah well, thank you, Jay, um, for that great content. And uh, it's always a, a privilege to uh, be on these calls and privilege to be connected with the impact community. And um, so thankful for all of you and so thankful for all of our, our pastors and leaders that are on this call today. And we hope that these calls have been beneficial and helpful to you through this very unique um, season that we're in. Um, I'm going to try to give a little bit of perspective from, I guess, the church planting side um, in terms of buildings and, and what that looks like. Um, but before I do that, I, I think Jay, uh, he really hit on something that's kind of been resonating in, in my spirit, just how do I process everything that's, that's going on? And you kind of like in the age of social media, a lot of times we're always looking at what this person's doing and what that person's doing. And really uh, right now, I don't know if you're like me, but I like to get up early on Sundays now and I kind of feel like I'm a, I'm a member of like 42 different churches and it's awesome and I don't have to pay any tithes to any of them. So it's great. But, uh, um, I, I, I check out a lot of different churches and, um, it, you know, I find myself like churches doing it well and, and almost like starting to compare what we're doing to what other people are doing. Certainly there's an element of like, there's an element of osmosis that should be present in, um, in, in the church community, particularly in the apostolic church community particularly in the apostolic church community, there's not a, a whole lot of osmosis. I don't think that can really happen uh, for the types of churches that we're trying to build by simply, you know, by simply observing, uh, you know, a mega church or some other stream that has a multi-million dollar budget. Um, but I do think like watching 
the Ascend churches of the world and watching the, the Stella churches of the world and, and watching the, the Life Church of Tupelo and, uh, and some of the other, the Parkways, Brother Dylan and, and um, you know, I, I see my friend Jason West on here, the Hope Centers, uh, who's, you know, he's in a, an urban context in the middle of downtown San Jose, California and, and uh, planting very, you know, a very unique way, like as you would expect being in a place like downtown San Jose. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of things we can learn from each other. But I, I feel like we have to be cautious to not compare to each other. And um, this verse I was reading um, the other day, and, and uh, we've all read it. It's, it's not a, you know, it's not a, um, an unfamiliar passage, but it's First Samuel chapter 18, Verse number five says, whatever mission Saul went on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army and this pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. And when the men were returning home and they heard that David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the women came out from all the towns to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and joyful songs and timbrels and lutes and they danced and they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his tens of thousands. And um, I think in this age where you know, it feels like maybe somebody's doing a better job online than we are doing. Sometimes we, this kind of spirit is present again, because verse eight says that Saul was angry <clears throat> and this refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And the Bible says from that point, verse number nine, from that time on, Saul kept his eyes on David. He couldn't stop staring at David. He couldn't stop comparing himself to David. And uh, he couldn't stop looking at what David was doing. And he lost his anointing because of that. He lost his calling because of that. He, his calling and uh, what God has called, had called him specifically to do, he lost all of that because he just couldn't keep his eyes off of somebody else. He was anointed to be king of Israel. He was anointed to be the king. He had his own calling, but because of his incredible insecurities, he couldn't stop comparing himself to David and he couldn't stop staring at somebody else's anointing. Paul said it this way. He said, it's not wise to compare ourselves among ourselves. So Paul, Paul's nice way of saying it's really foolish or it's stupid to, to compare ourselves with each other because when we compare ourselves with each other, we get frustrated when we don't see the results that maybe we feel like somebody else is seeing. So I just thought I wanted to, like if there was a, a thought that's kind of been reverberating in my mind or in my spirit, that's been one of them. Like I, I'm so thankful for the global church, for the online church right now, because I've been able to experience so much of what you guys are doing. Trent, it's great to see you on here, Trent Hampton. And I, I've been able to tune in and see my friends and it's been an awesome, awesome thing. But I think we need to be careful to, to not compare because the context that we're coming from are so different. So um, let that be a segue into what I want to just spend like four or five minutes talking about is that um, from, from a church planner's context, like finance and buildings, it's going to look totally different, particularly if you're in a metro area or you're in an urban area. The context that you're coming from is not going to look like something from the Bible Belt, from a, uh, you know, a church that, that, that has uh, you know, 80 years of, of history and, and you know, 40 acres and, and properties and things of that nature. And so church planners um, are going to continue to have to become uh, very creative in what you do. And I don't know the context of everybody that's on this call today, but I do know several churches that have lost their meeting spaces because you can't go to a school right now. Um, you can't go to a, a, a community center right now. And so what are you gonna do? What's your plan moving forward to reopen what, what is that going to look like when there's no school available or there's no community center available? And I think if you're not in an urban area and you're a planter here today, and you're not, and you're not in, a, in an urban center, I should say, because, uh, you know, a lot of people are kind of in even metro areas these days, but not really urban areas or urban centers. And I think you're experiencing probably what a lot of urban planters have already dealt with for many, many years is that's the the, the even though there's buildings on every corner, the lack of availability to use those buildings or the lack of resources to be able to lease or rent those, those buildings. And I think what we've learned from COVID-19, if we've learned anything as like planters, we've learned that the church can be anywhere. The church can be literally anywhere. 
the church, I tell our church all the time, like we, we have a building and I'm thankful for it, but like the church, the building, the church is not where we are. The church is who we are. So if, if you're not able to, to meet in a, in a traditional building, and I guess in church planning, a traditional building could be a school or a community center, uh, a rented chapel somewhere. But if we're not able to facilitate or use those facilities, um, the church is not where we are, it's who we are. So I've seen in the last couple of years, I've seen churches planted in fire stations. I've seen churches planted in barbershops. Um, I've seen churches planted in, in garages of people's homes. And like, maybe there's an element of, and certainly with impact community, like our, one of our main objectives is to try to elevate the launch experience really, and, and try to get people to, to launch big and have a big vision. And, and I still affirm that, but in this season, you know, maybe we need to rethink what reopening the church looks like in a church planting context. Can you do church in your living room or 10 living rooms? Or uh, I've seen churches started in fire in firehouses, barbershops. Um, we helped uh, start a church here in the LA area and they were using a, a coffee shop that had a, a larger space and they launched in a coffee shop. And so maybe it's, hey, if a school's not available or a church building is not available to rent or community center's not available, like just getting creative and, um, and, and, and finding a space that, if you can put 40 chairs in there and I, we want to launch big, we affirm that, but in this season, we have to get creative and stop comparing ourselves to everybody else or, or even comparing ourselves to a previous, to a previous era. I feel like we've entered into a new era and it wasn't anything we asked for. It wasn't anything that we sought after. In fact, it, it's kind of the opposite of something we would have asked for, but yet here we are, we've been presented with this. I don't believe that God caused this, but I believe that God is using this, but he is ushering the church into a new season, into a new era. And, and we can't continue to compare what we're doing now. You know, fervor for, for the past, like, like fear of the present often, often manifests itself as fervor for the past. And complacency often manifests itself as fervor. Uh, and, and that's something that, that really has messed with me because we get really locked into models and we get really locked into paradigms and we get really married to methodology. And, and, and you've seen this because there's some people that are so fervent about doing things a certain way. And what is that way? Well, it's the apostolic, right? And, and, it's, and it's, kind of, it's kind of like, if it doesn't look like church from like the nineties or wherever your sort of like landmark church period was, right? If it doesn't look like that, then it's not apostolic. So we fear for the present and even complacency uh, for new methods or, you know, resistance to new methodology often manifests itself as, as fervor for something in the past. And it's easy to mistake um, fervor for fear sometimes, and we get really locked into an old way of doing things. We have to be careful of that in this season that we stop comparing what we're doing now to the way it was literally just a couple of months ago. So it's not something we asked for, but this is something that has been, that we have been, we have been thrust into. And so the church must adapt and the church must uh, change to, to meet this. So we have to be careful of that comparison, not only to each other, but to methods that we used to be able to employ that now we can't. And we keep comparing what we're doing now to what we used to do. And it's, and we're just going to get lost in this perpetual cycle of frustration. And we're going to lose our, our calling for what God has really called us to do right now. So I would just challenge every church planner on this call to rethink, like truly rethink, go back to the drawing board. If you have a, a team, sit down with your team. And what, what does our church look like moving forward? If, if we truly believe that the church is not where we are, but the church is who we are, then can we have church in a firehouse or, or you know, wherever? Can we have church in a park? Can we have church in, in our living room if we have to? Um, you know, our church was planted in a living room. And so I've, I've told our church all the time, like if we have to go back to living rooms, that's what we'll do. It's, uh, but we need to be able to really go back to the drawing board and rethink uh, what this is going to look like moving forward and uh, just continue to operate in faith 
continue to operate in faith. And, and I believe God's going God's gonna to direct us through this season. God's going to give us what, what we need to, to thrive in this season because we're planted. We're going to thrive like cedars, like palms. We're going to thrive. The thing about cedars and palms is they're evergreen. So they thrive in any season. They thrive no matter if it's hot or no matter if it's cold, no matter if it's wet or if it's dry, as long as we're planted, we're, you know, we can thrive. And so um, I wanted to just share a couple of those thoughts with you, this kind of uh, conceptual things with you, and then maybe open it up for a minute for some dialogue. I'd like to hear what some of you guys are doing, adjusting to this. Um, I'd like to maybe take some questions and um, facilitate some, some uh, more conversational driven thought here. Um, but I just wanted to share a couple of like concepts that have been God's been dealing with me about really challenging me. I feel the Holy Ghost is challenging me to not get married to previous methodology and even methodology that two months ago felt really progressive. And now it's ancient. Um, that's the world we're living in today. Everything's changing so fast. So good. So good. I do want to ask a question to get us started and then we shift the conversation. Uh, you know, obviously you, you've got your, the, the coffee shop going, you know, your, your spot, you guys have church there. We're about to launch another church, which I think there are even more generational churches on here that were in plans to plant churches, you know? So obviously your funds had a very specific direction six months ago or three months ago. You know, I did want to just ask that specifically, you know, how, how has that shift gone for you, what are some things that you're like, hey, let's pull back from this for now? And what are some things that you're like, hey, let's double down and let's invest our resources there? Yeah, well, again, it's methods from a couple of months ago that felt really progressive or, or really yeah. forward thinking. You know, we, we thought we were being really forward thinking and like physically planting another church. But right in the middle of all of that, like this, this hit and the brakes hit on all of that. So we have team members literally that are waiting to move here that are just like stuck in stasis right now because they're, you know, they, we have one team member right now with his family, they sold their home yeah. and um, in the Midwest and, and we're getting ready to move out here and the job offers all fell through uh, because of, you know, the whole shutdown and, and then, um, that's the kind of things we're dealing with. So we've had to, we've had to pump the brakes on like moving forward physically with, with the church plant, but not, I guess just, just not culturally or not spiritually either with, with the church plant. We're still in that church plant mindset. We've shifted some of our resources to online. And like Jay mentioned, I think probably every church in here has done that. Um, uh, we've, we've had to shift some of the resources in our budget and our plant budget that we had earmarked for, outreach events, right? Big gatherings, you know, we've been, you know, we, we've had to shift that to digital um, outreach and investing in some more um, equipment. Uh, but certainly it, it, it puts a, a, a little bit of a wrench in plans that were rooted in methods from two months ago. So what we're doing now, actually this week is we're sitting down and we're charting the next 12 months. And basically what we're doing is we're lighting a fire and we're throwing our whole launch plan on it. So mm -hmm. this is a launch plan that Jamil knows and some others know that I've spent two years and three months working on. Mm -hmm. Two years and three months and we deputize and we raised funds and we raised budget and we, we, we worked really hard and raised a team. Two years working on this. And it's just not going to work because here in LA, they're talking about keeping the shutdown going for months. And they've sort of introduced this tiered approach to where it's like, okay, phase one, but it's nothing like the federal government. It's like churches are at the very last part of this, this phase. And, uh, and so we're looking at a very stark reality that in a place like LA, if we do gather, it would have to be underground or, or, or illegal, at least in terms of not unconstitutional, but illegal in terms of the, the measures and the, the orders, whether they're constitutional or not. Like we can talk about that all day, but we can't, we, we, we can't figure all that out right now. So 
uh, we're looking at the very stark reality that we're not going to be able to to do large gatherings and a large launch. We had put a vision out that we wanted to launch at our launch service. We wanted 400 at our launch service. We were pushing for that and everything was, was working towards that. You know, if I launched a church in LA and I had 400 people show up right now, you all would be visiting me in prison. So um, it's not looking like that's going to be a reality. So we've got to go back to the drawing board. I've told our team, literally we're burning the launch plan and we're just starting over. Like that's where we're at and it's painful, but at the same time, um, God is really challenging us to do something new and to do something fresh. And so here we are. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank, thank you so much. Everything you're, everything you just said, I just want to say was amazing. And I really appreciate another couple weeks ago, brother Hunley was talking about the, you know, talking about his experience overseas with some of this and just to hear from you. Uh, here in the U.S., it's really encouraging as a church planner because it's just it's just where we're heading. It's where we're going. So, um, you, I know you were talking about some some more some more questions. Any other any other thoughts for you in terms of carrying on this conversation before we move on? Can you hear me? I'm sorry, bro. I, I would like to. I, I would definitely like to hear um, from some others on this call that. Um, and what are you guys doing? What's working for you? What's your plan for the next couple of months moving forward? Share a little bit about like your context and, and how you feel like that could help the body of Christ. Um, I'd like to interject something. We had our first service uh, yesterday in person. We're in Iowa, so it's been a whole lot more relaxed here. Um, but one thing for, for pastors that I took away from yesterday is your first service back. Don't expect for the doors to get knocked down. I think we had 50 out of our 150 people show up um, and then nobody really knew how to act. So that whole meme about we're going to shout and scream and all that, that didn't happen. Uh, they didn't know how to greet each other without hugging. And so it was very awkward. Um, but one of the victories we took away is during this time, we had plans to launch a church. We're using the missions method that I brought back from overseas with us to launch, which is very simple. Uh, using houses, living rooms, basements. Um, and during this time, we were forced to move up our launch plan, and we actually launched a second church um, at the beginning of this shutdown. So we now have two churches. Granted, they're not big. Uh, we've got our main congregation, and then our second congregation, I think they have 20 or 30, and they're using multi-site and Zoom to make that happen. So... So good. I think Brother McGovern, if you're saying something, I know you're muted, but any anybody else have anything? That was, that was so good. Thank you. Anybody else have any any thoughts? What what you're doing, how it's working, how it's flowing, how you're going back. Tapia, Jason West, brother Brother Carney, there he is. The the man, the myth, the legend. What are your thoughts, Professor Carney? Well, uh, I'm, I'm looking to all you to figure it out, then we're going to implement it. <laughs> Once you get it done, I think I think we'll be ready. Great job, Jay and David. Uh, awesome stuff. Um, I'm gleaning so much every week from from this call. I just want to open the, the discussion up about like, what are some of the greatest uh, gaps or holes that, that you have found in your local church that that you are going to work, you know, to, to fill those holes, not only in the immediate, but, you know, if and when this happens again, that's only going to make your church stronger, you know, when you do get to go back in person. And, and we're trying to figure the in-person thing out right now, you know, being a larger church, a lot of eyes are on us in our local community. So we, we want to make, we realize that exits are more important than entrances. And so we want to make, make this you know this moment count but just in a moment of transparency I, i'll tell this group like the hole that i've seen at woodline more than any is is the whole of personal evangelism like we our church is just not equipped and, that, and that's a reflection on me as pastor uh, our our form of evangelism has been get them to the church and they'll take care of it like we have a dynamic you know worship weekend and you know, we've got discipleship classes and that sort of thing, but 
in this season, that has not worked. Like it, it's been glaring for us. And I think Brother Soto talked to us a few weeks ago about what, what is being revealed right now. And those things are, are being revealed. I, I baptized my first person an hour ago in this eight-week pandemic. But, you know, and I, I'm grateful for that. But a church our size with the ministers that, you know, that we have and, you know, the, I mean, David just talked about it. I mean, we're, we're 65 years old. We're celebrating our 65th anniversary this year. And this is definitely uh, been a revealing season for us. And so we're, I'm putting together an evangelism team and, and uh, we're, we're going to do our best not to let this cripple us in the future. Because as David said, you know, we're, we're going to be doing church different from now on. And, uh, and I want Woodline, uh, you know, to be the best it can be in this local, in this local community. So just moment of transparency for, for you guys, like what, what are the biggest gaps that you have seen? And I think what you share, I help somebody else right now. Does anybody want to just say, man, we, we, this is revealed that we're weak in this area. Uh, one thing I've noticed is that in our leadership team, we have a lot of managers and, and not a lot of leaders. And so people that uh, under a Sunday service regimen of, of church can kind of hide and just kind of make sure things keep going. But when it comes to all that being stripped away, they couldn't add or lead or, or adjust to actually lead their teams. Um, and so it's something we're going to be working on going forward. That's good. I, I told Jamil early on that I think that our church planners were more equipped for this season than our established churches because everybody is a disciple maker and a church plan. And we got away from that being established church. And uh, we're going back to the book of Acts. We're going back to the beginning to our roots. And, yeah. and uh, I'm telling you right now, I'll, I'll tell you in a year from now, Woodline is going to be a better church than we were before this happened any other any other holes that you guys see yeah i'll throw it out for us um you know we we're kind of crossing that threshold where i i just now have like a leadership team and then i've got probably i got about 10 you know people that have leadership potential that fill with the holy ghost on go ready and the biggest hole that's revealed to me is that we have no process um, or strategy to develop leaders outside of me going to chase them down, sitting down with them at coffee and doing it. You know, so it's not systematic. It's all based on my intangible, uh, my intangibles to be able to see who's got the potential and go and getting them, which I know, you know, is part of the game, but it's really revealed a huge thing because we've got about 10 people right now that want to contribute or asking to contribute, you know, have a, have a lot to offer. Um, but there's some, you know, conversations about holiness or, you know, some of those conversations, those kind of next level leadership development conversations that we have no strategic way to do again, besides an informal coffee with me. And so, you know, we've, we've had some if wins in some different areas. We've been able to do some care and stuff. Well, but that for me, has really uh, magnified that we don't have a good way to take that person who's got the Holy Ghost, who's baptized, who's on go, and and take them from that point to you know being a leader, and and we've got them, and so that's that's a huge gap for me, and and something that this is is uh, is really revealing. So. Anyone else? I feel like for us uh, in San Marcos, uh, kind of a, a gap is would be related to the timing of everything. I think I've realized that our church from the beginning was very kind of service project oriented. Like when our people had like a project to rally around and they show up. Uh, I, one of our early calls, I took Brother McGovern's uh, action plan idea and put a few things together for our church. And uh, we really uh, emphasize 
serving the elderly and those in need and um, delivered probably 20 to 30 different uh, grocery runs. We just got in cars, picked up groceries and started delivering things and made a lot of new contacts. But I think that project is kind of waning down and, you know, we're kind of like in this stall where, you know, I've got people on our team that have actually protested at the Capitol to reopen the state. I've got others on the team that haven't left their house once. Uh, and so I'm kind of in a place where I don't want to just throw a project at them just to keep them busy. Um, you know, so I think um, uh, not being so reliant upon, you know, building our momentum upon a single project, uh, you know, really emphasize kind of the uh, lifestyle, you know, service that extends even after the project is done, if, if that makes sense. Um, so that, that's kind of where, where we're at as far as a, a low point. Um, uh, like we're good at building up momentum and getting this wave, the surge, but then kind of the surge dies. We build up more momentum and the surge dies. So keeping that momentum consistent is, has been the test for us the past two months. Good, Paul. Hey, guys, I'd like to share. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. We, we could hear you. Was that Brother Henderson? Yeah. Seems like he's, seems like we lost him, isn't it? Pastor Jaron, can you see him anywhere? Yeah, I got him now. He just unmuted. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, sorry about that. Uh, I'm, I'm dual tasking here. I've been listening to the whole conversation. I've just not joined on video. I wanted to uh, share a little bit. Um, I am in the Bible Belt, which has its advantages and disadvantages, um, especially through this situation. Um, so I, I began pastoring this church that was 20 years, hadn't done a whole lot. And I certainly don't want to cast any shadow on, on everybody that put in efforts and energies before me because they established what I was able to build on. But uh, 2018, I was teaching Bible studies a lot, three or four or five a week, new people. Uh, we went from 20 to 120 really quickly a lot of great things happening and then the lord spoke to me and said if you keep teaching all these bible studies you're that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life you've got to teach other people how to teach bible studies you've got to you've got to train the people that you have or you're just going to have what you have forever and you're going to bang your head against the wall and be frustrated so as counterproductive as that sounds I finished all those Bible studies and for two years I invested in the people that I had. Um, we had a major reduction. We had a Spanish group that we had adopted that then left. Uh, and so our numbers went down dramatically like to 50 people. Uh, the deal is I have four lifetime apostolic people in our church. My wife and I are two of them. I have 48 or 46 new converts. And so I've been dealing with, how do I get these people to do the stuff that we all need done? The answer is there's no quick fix. This doesn't happen overnight. This is not going to happen in an eight week period We're, we can't flip the switch and transition from one gear to the other and expect everything and everybody to shift with us. It's going to take a minute. We've got to, we've got to decide that we're going to invest financially, time, everything else. And here's what's happened for me in the last two years. I now have a, a group of people who they don't have my personality, they don't have my preferences, and that's perfect because I don't want a bunch of people just like me. That'd be a train wreck. Now I have a bunch of people that have individual personalities, individual preferences, 
the replication is that now they're teaching the Bible studies and now they're bringing people to church. We're a small group based church. Almost everything we do except Sunday services, small group, our Wednesday night is a small group format and a large scale application. So most everybody shows up on Wednesday night. We still do a small group format because it's, it's teaching training. It's book of acts, house to house, person to person, something that we're still working to launch is house to house church services, have our worship team video eight or 10 songs. Uh, we have 30 and 40 inch TVs everywhere that we're taking from house to house and play the praise and worship. And I'll teach or preach to them, pray with them in their home. It may only be five of us. It may only be six of us or less, but it's connecting on a personal level with those people. What I found is when I connect with them on a personal level, it makes a greater impact and there's no quick fix. This is a lifetime investment. That's why our elders look back and see the successes of their investment. We build on that. Uh, but it's, I'm in this till I die. Yeah. And, and if I see results quickly bonus, but if I don't see results for a year two years or 10 years, and that's frustrating because we all want it right here right now. But then when you replicate yourself in all of these people and they begin to pastor and that's the whole thing is God trusts me to pastor. And I know all the stuff I'm capable of and all my faults. And so God trusts me to pastor. So I'm trusting these people to pastor their neighborhood, to pastor their friends, to pastor their family. And I'm not just trusting them, but I'm empowering them to do that. And I think that's the key is that we have to transition to empowering people. I started a Bible study with a guy last week. He said, some atheist friend of his asked him, well, how can you start trying to live for God? He said, I, I'm not capable of mentoring or leading somebody. And I said, hold on. I said, you have to be one step ahead to lead somebody else, not a lifetime, just one step. And so that's what we're trying to do uh, on our front is empower people to lead anybody that they can hope. Hopefully any of that helps. Thanks. I love it. Sharon. That helps me. And uh, it's, it's exciting that, hey, what, is, what does the Bible say? The fivefold ministry, we're there to equip the saints for ministry, not do it all ourselves. And uh, it's a big deal. I had, a, I had a great win this week. I had a guy that was teaching a Bible study and got it connected. And we got to have a drive-in, uh, what do we call it? Baptism on wheels this week in the back of a truck. Uh, just just from, from what you're talking about, just somebody, you know, that got taught how to do it doing what they're doing so thank you guys so much for your time and uh I, we want to respect it we're coming to a close here and uh I, and if anybody has any anybody else have a quick comment we want to make sure that anybody that's got a comment gets a chance to share but if not we'll we'll head towards uh closing it down and so i think everybody's good